Hi, this is Pastor David Cooper. Thank you for joining my podcast. I pray that the Word of God will be a blessing to you. I also want to ask you to share the podcast with others. Together, we can make an impact in people's lives as we introduce them to the Word of God. Thank you for your partnership and ministry of the Mount Perrin family and our outreach. I pray that the Word of God will be a blessing to you today. Today, the attention of the world is focused on three iconic figures, the Queen, the Pope, and the Dalai Lama. These three figures hold an interesting fascination by the world. They appear often in media, world news, pop culture. The Queen, who recently passed with the total focus of the world, represents the monarchy, an emblem of the reign of righteousness and peace. The Pope, or more technically the pontiff, which is the Latin word for priest, represents one who intercedes for the people, who provides atonement for the sins of humanity. The Dalai Lama, according to Tibetan Buddhism, is a representation of some form of an incarnation of divinity who speaks the word of God. And when the queen or the pope or the Dalai Lama speak, the whole world listens. What is the significance of these three figures on the stage of history? We know they have no real inherent power to reign over us, to atone for our sins, or to bring us the word of God. So why are they so important? They resonate with a deep human need. Humanity intuitively knows it needs a prophet to bring the word of God, a priest to atone for our sins, and a righteous king to rule us. In peace and justice. And from the inner spiritual need humanity has, it's drawn to these figures. But the figures are just a shadow, devoid of any real power. So where can we find a prophet, a priest, and a king? There is one. And Paul the Apostle writes of him in Colossians chapter 2, verse 16 and 17. And says, therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or in regard to a religious festival or a new moon celebration or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality is found in Christ. Jesus is the prophet, the priest, and the king for humanity's salvation. The title Christ is Greek for the Hebrew word Messiah, and in the Old Testament it is foretold that the Messiah would fulfill three offices, the office of the prophet, the priest, and the king. And while we see shadows of these realities in the world, the spiritual reality that you long for in your life can only be met through Jesus, the prophet, the priest, and the king. Jesus is the greatest and final prophet of God to the world. 
The prophet is God's representative to the people. The prophet is one who brings the word of God. It reveals the will of God for his people. There are 78 prophets mentioned in the Bible. Moses is the greatest of all human prophets to have ever lived, and yet he spoke of one greater to come. When Moses prophesied the Messiah's coming, he called him the prophet. In Deuteronomy 18, 15, he said, the Lord your God will raise up one from your midst, the prophet, listen to him. If God is saying anything to the world today, it's pointing the world to his son and says to all humanity, listen to him. There's no higher word than you can hear than the word of Jesus. There's no greater revelation of God. There's no greater spiritual revelation of God than Jesus. Those of you that are struggling through religion and philosophy, you seem to want to try everything. You're always looking for a word. Listen to Jesus. Go to Jesus. Listen to his word. His word will set you free. His is the greatest word, the purest word, the final word of God. When John the Baptist was asked by the religious leaders of his day, are you the Christ? John said, no. Then they asked him, are you the prophet? He said, no. Think of that. John the Baptist did not call himself a prophet, but he pointed to one. He said, I'm a voice crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. When John introduced the prophet of God to the world, he said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Buddha is not that prophet. Muhammad is not the prophet. Joseph Smith of the Mormons is not the prophet. The prophets who appear in our world today, they are not the prophetic voice of God in the world. Jesus is the greatest and final prophet of God. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 through 3, in times past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. The son of God is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being. When Jesus spoke on this earth, he spoke the word of God. His words are eternal. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 35, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall never pass away. His words were gracious. Luke 4 and 22, the people wondered at the gracious words that proceeded out of his mouth. His words were authoritative in Luke 4 and 32. The people were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority. His words were incomparable. One day, some religious leaders sent temple guards to go arrest Jesus. When they found him teaching, they got so interested in what Jesus was saying, they forgot they had come to arrest him. If you'll ever stop in your life to listen to Jesus, your life will change like theirs did. Later, the Pharisees found the temple guards and said, we told you to arrest him. Why didn't you arrest him? They responded in Luke 7, verse 46, never spake a man like this man. His words are spiritual. Jesus said in John 6 and 63, the words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. His words are eternal. John chapter 6, verse 68, Peter said, Lord, you have the words of eternal life. His words are confrontive in John 12 and 48. There is a judge for the one who rejects me in my word. Jesus said, the very word that I speak 
will judge him on that day. His words are divine. He said of himself in John 14, 24, the words that I speak are not merely my own, but the Father's who sent me. Jesus not only spoke the word, he is the word. He became the word incarnate. He lived among us. When John the apostle wrote the gospel of John, and he wanted to introduce Jesus to the world. He wanted to introduce him to the Hebrew mind and its theology, to the Greek mind and its philosophy, to the Roman mind and its modernization. He chose one word to relate Jesus to everybody because everybody is looking for a word from God. Everybody wants to know what God is really like. And he begins to write under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the opening words of the beautiful gospel of John. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made in him, Jesus, was life, and his life was the light of all men. The light shined in the darkness, but the darkness could not comprehend it, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glories of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. After the Apollo 15 lunar landing Colonel James Irwin was asked if he could describe as an astronaut the significance of mankind landing on the moon. And this was his response. God walking on the earth was far more important than man walking on the moon. And 2,000 years ago, the Son of God left heaven, came into this world, lived among us, the Word made flesh, that we might know the love of God. And of all that Jesus ever said, in his miracles, in his teachings, in his parables, the greatest statement he ever made, which he makes to everyone today, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He's not only the greatest and final prophet, Jesus is our great high priest. The word priest means a bridge builder. Several years ago, Barbie and I, we took our family out west. We visited the Grand Canyon and I remember us standing that day on the rim of the canyon and just gazing at the other side of the canyon so far away. It was so massive, so expansive. It looked surreal, almost like a painting. But as I stood there and looked over that great chasm, I thought of the words of Isaiah in 59, verse 2 of his writings, your sins have separated between you and your God. I thought of how sin alienates us and separates us from God. If the root calls of all of our social problems, our psychological problems, our stress problems, our moral problems is our detachment from God. The closer to God we get, the healthier we become in our lives. But we can't cross that chasm of sin. We can't atone for our sins. Jesus left heaven, came to this world as a great high priest to build a bridge over the chasm of sin that we might be reconciled to God. The book of Hebrews sets forth Jesus as our great high priest, just as a prophet is God's representative to the people, the priest is the people's representative to God. It is Jesus who intercedes for us. It is Jesus who saves us. It is Jesus and Jesus alone who atones for the sins of the world. The book of Hebrews in the New Testament is a fascinating book. 
He writes about all of the Old Testament customs and sacrifices and services and the temple and the priesthood. And he makes the case that all of this is pointing to Jesus, the Son of God. Jesus said, do not think I've come to destroy the law of the prophets. I've not come to destroy them, but to fulfill them. And the book of Hebrews sets Jesus as our great high priest. It tells us some very important things about our high priest. First of all, it tells us that he's great. That word means that he's superior to any other priest. He's superior to any other spirituality. Hebrews 4 and 14 says, See, and then we have a great high priest, Jesus, the Son of God, who's passed through the heavens. Let us hold firmly the faith that we profess. It tells us, second of all, that Jesus is compassionate. In Hebrews 4 and 15, it says, We do not have a high priest who cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was at all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Jesus knows what it feels like to be human. Jesus empathizes with us. Jesus sympathizes with us. Jesus has compassion on us. It tells us third of all that Jesus' priesthood is eternal. It'll never fade away. You'll never need another priest to intercede for you in your life. Hebrews 7 and 24 says, because Jesus lives forever. His priesthood is permanent. It also tells us fourth of all that Jesus is able to save us completely. He doesn't just say part of us. He saves all of us. He makes the whole person well. The word completely in the Greek language means forever. Once Jesus saves you, you are forever saved. Hebrews 7.25 says that he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he ever lives to make intercession for them. Don't ever think God is against you. Don't ever think Jesus is opposed to you. Jesus ever lives to make intercession for you. And it tells us finally that our high priest sat down when he finished his work of intercession at the cross and the resurrection. Something fascinating we read. In Hebrews 8 verse 1, the writer says, the point of what we're saying is this, we do have such a high priest who sat down at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven. They may be saying, what's the significance of Jesus sitting down? Well, that's a word picture, a description of the finished work of Christ. You see, in the Old Testament, the high priest never sat down in his ministry the priest who ministered every day in the holy place, they never sat down. Did you know there were no chairs ever put in the temple of God because they always stood to minister because their ministry was never finished. They were pointing to one greater than them. Their ministry was a sign and a symbol, a shadow of the coming of Jesus. But when Jesus died on the cross and atoned for the sins of the world, when he rose again and returned to heaven, the Bible says he sat down at the right hand of God. He shouted from the cross, it is finished. Aaron, the brother of Moses, was the first high priest of Israel. He sets an example of what Jesus would be. Aaron is the pattern. Christ is the perfection. Aaron, the high priest, is the shadow. Jesus is the reality. Aaron, the high priest, entered the earthly tabernacle to minister. Jesus entered heaven itself to make atonement. Aaron went behind the veil. Jesus tore the veil in two in the temple when he died on Calvary. Aaron went 
behind that veil to sprinkle the blood of animals on the mercy seat. Jesus offered his own blood as a sacrifice for the sins of the world. Aaron's intercession was ongoing. Jesus' intercession is complete. Aaron offered sacrifices for his own sins, but Jesus only offered himself for the sin of the world because he is the sinless Savior. Aaron was a priest who lived for a moment in time. Jesus is a priest who lives forever. Aaron had to stand up while he ministered. Jesus sat down and said to the world, it is finished. Jesus has no need of the garments worn by the high priest. They only spoke of his glory. Jesus, our high priest, has no need of the white linen undergarments of the high priest. Jesus has no need of the beautiful blue robe worn by the priests. Jesus has no need of the beautiful embroidered ephod on the chest of the priest. Jesus has no need of the golden breastplate with the 12 precious stones representing the people of God. Jesus has no need of the mitre that carried the incense in worship. Jesus has no need of the turban on the priest's head that had inscribed holiness to the Lord. Jesus has no need of the Old Testament sacrifices. He has no need of the burnt offering of entire dedication. He has no need of the grain offering of thanksgiving to God. Jesus has no need of the peace offering restoring fellowship with God. Jesus has no need of the sin offering to atone for sin. Jesus has no need of the guilt offering to cure us of our trespasses. Jesus doesn't need the Old Testament sacrifices and festivals. Those festivals point to Jesus. They're a shadow of the things to come. Jesus has no need of the Passover, for he is Christ, our Passover lamb, who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus has no need of the Feast of Pentecost because he poured out his spirit on all humanity on the day of Pentecost. Jesus has no need of the Feast of Tabernacles that celebrated the Exodus because he redeemed us not out of Egypt. He redeemed us from the law of sin and death. Jesus has no need of the Feast of Trumpets that anticipates Messiah's coming, for he will come again at the end of all time in the clouds of glory with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet call of God. Jesus has no need for the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, for he is the atoning sacrifice for the sin of the whole world. Jesus has no need of the Sabbath day. He is God's Sabbath rest. He said, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You don't have to go to God through a pastor. You don't have to go to God through a therapist. You don't have to go to God through a priest. You can come boldly to the throne of grace, obtain his mercy, find grace to help in the time of need, because we have a great high priest. And Jesus is the King of Kings. As the King of Kings, he has all authority in heaven and on earth. This world may look like it's spiraling out of control, but it is not. It is governed by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. It is being pushed headlong into the day that Christ returns and the kingdom of God becomes a reality. There's a higher government. There's a higher authority. There's a higher sovereignty that watches over life of humanity as we pass through the stages of history. If you look out at men, it's confusing because men can't govern. If you look up to the heavens, you realize the Lord is in the heavens. He's established his throne over all. Jesus 
is the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. That's the Christian confession. Romans 10, verse 9, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Three powerful words that will change your life. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. He's called the Lord Almighty in Scripture. He's called the Lord of hosts. That means angelic armies. He's called the Lord of the harvest. He's called the Lord of the Sabbath. He is called the King of Righteousness and the King of Peace. When John the Revelator saw the second coming of Jesus at the end of time, he saw him coming from heaven. He said, written upon his robe and upon his thigh is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Jesus is Lord over the universe because all things were created by him and for him. Without him was not anything made that was made. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. Jesus is Lord over science. In him we live and move and have our our being. Jesus is Lord over philosophy. In him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Jesus is Lord over psychology, for he is wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Jesus is Lord over theology, for he alone is the image of the invisible God. Jesus said, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. Jesus is Lord over religion, for he is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is Lord over history. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the ending, the first and the last. Jesus is Lord over sin, for he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. Jesus is Lord over disease, for by his stripes we are healed. Jesus is Lord over evil. For this reason, the Son of God appeared that he might destroy the works of the devil. Jesus went about doing good. The book of Acts tells us healing all who are oppressed of the devil. Jesus is Lord over death. He still declares, I am the resurrection and the life. He that lives and believes in me shall never die. Jesus is Lord over politics and politicians for all authority in heaven on an earth has been given to him. Jesus is Lord over judges and juries and the legislative system for the Bible says we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Jesus is Lord over the nations of this world. I hear the revelator, hear the voice from heaven say the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. No wonder the apostle Paul sat alone in a darkened prison cell in Rome, and yet the Spirit of God moves upon him. He takes pen and parchment, and he begins to inscribe the eternal words found in Philippians. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and has given him the name has given him the name, has given him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and earth and under the earth, and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Bless his holy name. Bless his holy name. These are a shadow of the things that were to come, the reality. The reality you seek in your life spiritually is found in Christ. In Mark Twain's novel, The Prince and the Pauper, he tells the story of two young boys, Prince Edward, when he meets a poor 
young boy named Tom Canty. And they discovered they looked identical. As they got to know each other, both were dissatisfied with where they were in life. And so they decided to change places. And Prince Edward gave up those beautiful clothes of royalty and gave them to Tom. And Tom gave him his old worn-out clothes. Tom went to the palace disguised as Edward, and Edward lived a common life. Until the day that King Henry died, it was time to crown the new prince. But no one believed that Prince Edward was really the king. He spent all that time and energy trying to convince everybody, I'm the true king. I'm heir to the throne. Today, the world is misled because they look at the poor rags Jesus wore when he came into this world and took our place. All they see is the humanity of Jesus. Jesus is a teacher. Jesus is a miracle worker. Jesus has a expounder of parables. But underneath that humanity is the glory of the Son of God. I'm here to convince you today that he is the true prophet, the only priest, and the king of kings. Underneath his humanity is his divinity, and he alone has the power to save us. Thank you for joining me today as we've shared together the Word of God. Let me ask you to download the Mount Perrin Church app today so that we can stay connected and you can see all the great services and resources available for you and your family. Follow me on social media and also the Mount Perrin Church family. I look forward to seeing you in church to worship on campus and online. God bless you. Have an incredible day.